can take you with them on a bus or train, on a highway, or on a plane, backstage, or on a bike. It's Kevin Klein's Fuzzy Mike. Fuzzy Mike interviews. Not top of mind, not even the news. No way. Just a bunch of stuff that Kevin likes. All recorded with this Fuzzy Mike. You get the Don King reference. It looks to hear that or a tip of a horse's tail. So we'd like to thank you all ahead of time for listening to Fuzzy Mike with your friend Kevin Klein. As a country morning radio host in Houston, Texas, we have access to a lot of country artists that make their way from Nashville to Houston to play private performances for us. And sometimes I will host what we call up close and personals for the station, and they allow me to cut these up and use them for the fuzzy mic. For those who don't get invitations to these private performances, 2017, she had separated from Christian Bush, uh, her uh, counterpart in the band Sugarland, to start a solo project. And this was a portion of the conversation I had with Jennifer Nettles. You were born to sing. Thanks. You were absolutely born to sing. Thank you. I sure love doing it, so that's a good thing. If you weren't, what would you be doing? You know what? If I weren't singing, I would probably... In college, I studied anthropology and Spanish, so I imagine that I would be parlaying that into some sort of activism, probably in Central America, if if I weren't doing this. When did you know that singing was what you wanted to do? When I was like five and six years old. It's the first song you remember singing? Oh, a church song, actually, for a Christmas play. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. You guys did, uh, you and Christian did a uh, a Christmas special mm-hmm. where Come O Come Emmanuel was one of the songs you guys did. I love that song. That's one of my favorites. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. That wasn't the first one I ever sang. That was not the first no, one? No, it was like a, a children's play about um, children all over the world at Christmas. And I, and I think it was um, some song. I, I was supposed to be a Swedish a representative of, of, of Sweden, and I had this big crown of lights, and I had to say, and my home is from Sweden. And I had to, like, you know, I tried the accent and all that. Isn't it weird how things like that stick with you, though? And you're remembering this, and, you know, it was probably two, three years ago, right? Yeah, just a few years ago. (laughs) Yes. No, uh, but I I remember it, and I remember loving not only singing, but uh, but loving, you know, connecting with the audience. I I think that, for me, was was the biggest part of it. And that brings up a great question, because when when you started singing, your eyes were closed. Mm -hmm. After you hit the first couple of lines, your eyes opened up. What do you look at? You know, when, when, Everybody? when we give speeches and stuff, they say, look <laughs> over the tops of people's heads. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I like to get into it. I like to see how people are reacting and, and who's being moved in what way. Or, I mean, I, I usually make the joke at, at shows. It's like going to the zoo. You think you're looking at the monkeys, but they're really looking at you. You know, it, it's a show for me, too. And, and, and that connectedness with the audience is, is part of the the joy that I get out of out of playing music you know and that's what it's about it's supposed to be a stage and real live people playing real live music with you know a, a real audience why do you close your eyes at the beginning I mean, you're not the only artist to do it but I've never been this close to to an artist when they start singing you know I, I think it's just getting into the place and, and getting into the story of the song you know and, and allowing yourself to go there and become a character in a way and and yeah putting yourself in that place so you can be a storyteller 
each song has its own place. Each song has its own place. Many of them, you know, a lot of people like to think that every song that I write is is completely 100% autobiographical. Thank God it's not. Um, <laughs> because there are some crazies and there's a lot of pain. And then there's a lot of joy, too, you know, that, that goes on. But while I may pull from, from different parts of my own life, I also, you know, get inspiration in lots of different ways. That song, actually, I wrote that song in a very different way than I've ever written a song before. Um, and that was being inspired off of a photograph. I have a friend who's doing an art project and that's part of it. She sends a photograph to a songwriter and the songwriter writes a song and then the song gets sent to a painter and the painter paints a painting based on the song and it goes down the line um, to see if it remotely resembles anything in the beginning. So she sent that photograph and I'd never done that before, looking at a piece of visual art before and saying, okay, let me be inspired by this. It was fun. Was it difficult to get inspired by it? No, it wasn't. I, I just, I looked at it and I thought, okay, it, it was actually good because I got out of my own way. A lot of times as artists, you can, you can, as writers, you can get in your own way where you put too much, I don't know, you, you're too attached. You have too much ego into it. I don't want to really say this. I don't want to. And I got out of my own way because I just looked at the, at the photo and said, all right, where is, where is this story? Where is it taken? I mean, it was, it was a photograph of a beautiful fall, like autumn scene with this windy road that looked nostalgic, these beautiful red and orange leaves, super vibrant. And I thought, okay, where does this road, what's the significance of this? And I sat down though, very much further away. Cause I was gigantron pregnant <laughs> from the piano and, you know, and, and wrote it. Well, not only is that song written in a different way, but you're completely in a different mode now doing a solo project. Only one other performance up close and personal have I just wanted myself to just shut up and enjoy because mm. what is going on. Darius Rucker was that, that artist. Right he on. has such a soulful voice and yes, every note is. tells a story. Yep. I feel the same way today about you. Thank you. Thank you very much. That almost moved me to tears. Thank you. That I, song almost moved me to tears. Thank you very much. And That's wonderful in, company to keep, by the way, to say Darius Rucker. So he's thank incredible. you. I love him. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for a high compliment. I appreciate it. I'm having a blast today. I'm having a blast. This is super fun for me. Are you kidding? I mean, the thing is, I, I've I've sat with these songs for for so long, you know, either in writing them, because I've been writing for this project for three years, really, on the whole, as I've been kind of steering my ship that way, and then obviously recording them. So I've been loving them and holding on to them for a while, but this is what it's about, getting to play it for people. Being solo is... Is this a rebirth? Is this a new energy level for you? Is this like kind of like getting back to the basics and yeah. recreating? In a lot of ways it is. I think it's a recreation, absolutely. I, I really believe in life every few years, like every seven to eight years, we recreate ourselves anyway. I mean, when you think about it, you know, of what's going on in, in, in each of our individual lives. So I definitely think... This is that for me in the musical form. And you've said you've been uh, writing these songs and living with these songs for three years. How did you break the news to Christian that, hey, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a solo project? Doesn't mean the end of Sugarland, right? Yeah, no, absolutely not. I, I love what we do with Sugarland. And, and Christian and I have worked together for so many years that we're super supportive of each other. So it's a matter of a conversation like with anybody else you're close to. So then how does a solo project why couldn't Sugarland do these songs? 
You know what? I, for a couple reasons. I think a lot of times what can happen as an artist, once you get pegged within a certain sound and a certain energy, I think it's really easy to become a caricature and a cartoon of yourself because you just get put under the magnifying glass and then that's all everybody wants to hear because they think, oh, just do a bigger version of yourself. Just keep it getting bigger and bigger. And um, and I mean that in, in the artistic sense. I mean, clearly everybody would love to be as successful as they can. But um, I, I think it's super important to recreate yourself and reinvent yourself as an artist what we do with Sugarland was super intentional. We wanted to play it in, you know, in huge venues and huge arenas, and we wanted that that sort of masculine energy. I love playing with that, and clearly Christian is a guy too, so I love doing that on stage. But I wanted to do something that was more intimate and emotional, and that was just me, you know, so that people could see just that side too. I read today that, uh, it, that um, if you had to do one Broadway role, that you would want to be in Wicked. I love that show. Oh my God. I love it so much. I saw it at just the right point in my life where I was like, I am Elphaba. I want to sing, you know, Defying Gravity and all that. Yeah, I would love to. Kind of go off on a tangent there, but we were talking about. No, no, it was completely my fault, but we were talking about things that you realized you had made it. Um, The first time you saw a fan with a Sugarland lyric tattooed on their body. Love. I love that. To me, I think tattoos are art. And I I always say, you know, the old adage, and it's in actually um, one of our songs, but sometimes you like to choose, we like to choose our scars. And I think let the only scars that you give yourself be art. That is for sure. So I, um, I I really like that. I I use them, you know, tattoos to be our reminder. And sometimes you need a reminder of things. So if somebody puts their lyric on my, I mean, my lyric on their body, I'm just like, well, that's an honor, you know, sure. to, to be that kind of reminder. Hopefully it's something positive and like they don't take part uh, out of context, something from jealousy and put that on there, you know, that, that probably wouldn't be good, but on the whole, I really think it's nice. Geeky musical question here. Does anybody know what Jennifer now has in common with Metallica, Slayer, Slipknot, Run DMC, and the Beastie Boys? Rick Rubin. Yeah. Rick Rubin yeah. produced your, your new did. CD, your solo CD. He did, yes. What does a producer do? Well, it depends on the producer, but they are obviously that you he, in this case they help choose the players that are going to be on the record the you know the musicians um and as a huge guide throughout the whole process in 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 the decision making i mean obviously the players come in and they're able they're you know top of the line players on this album a couple to name a few uh, i played with chad smith from the red hot chili peppers he played wow. on this record as a drummer <laughs> um and then ian mclaughlin who i uh, on the bunny man he played yeah well he played um with the faces and Rod's, you know, faces Rod Stewart yeah. and, um, as well as the Stones and the Barbarians back in the 60s and, and 70s and stuff. So it was just wonderful players, but Rick then comes in, a producer comes in and helps facilitate that and, and, and help guide the sound. For me, it's, it's, uh, the sound has a co- the record has a cohesive sound and he was a huge part in that. And, um, yeah, and also part therapist. They're part therapist for sure, you know, when you feel like you get stuck and, and, and really to help be a meter for how it's going because you can get in and play things over and over and over again until you kind of get too lost in them, and, and he's a good guide for that. So it's an overall manager and facilitator of the whole project. He's been named by Rolling Stone magazine one of the most influential people ever in music. 
And he would be a guy that I would just completely freak out if I was in the same room with him. Yeah, I have I have a bit of a crush on him. Even for as long as we worked on this project together, I have a musical crush on him. It's one of those things like when I stand next to him, I feel like a stupid, like I'm going to say something stupid, you know, like a schoolgirl, like, you're all summer. You know, like, I, I don't know. I still feel that way, even though he was obviously great and he's super approachable and really warm and kind. And so he would do that to you. You've been in the same room with the president, President Obama. You said you played the inauguration. You played Shower Me People, the James Taylor song. Yeah. Who would freak you out, though, if you were in the same room with that person? <sighs> Living, dead, doesn't matter. Man. Who couldn't you control yourself around Jennifer Nettles? You know, well, in some ways, I try not to meet those people because I, I don't want it to be, you know, disappointing. But some of them I have met. I mean, I, I've met Dolly Parton, and I loved meeting her. Um, and, and obviously, in being to me, she's the, the biggest country entertainer of all times and one of the best entertainers of all times, period, across, across the board, not just country. Um, She's such an icon. And actually, funny story, when I met her, um, I was doing the CMA music festival that's in the summer and she had just performed and we were waiting to perform and she's coming off stage in her you know little perfect everything perfect self and and she's holding the microphone and she's walking toward me and i'm like oh my god it's Dolly Parton. she's walking toward me oh my god it's Dolly Parton. she's walking toward me and so she walks right up to me and i was like that was so good and it was just, just sounded great and she was like thank you honey could you do something with this and she handed me her microphone and i was like i don't know if she thinks i'm a stage hand or if she or if she's just literally like if she's if it's I, I cons- wanted to consider it something symbolic like she was passing the torch so to speak <laughs> to me because I was like girl I will do something with this let's you know let's go so yeah that the funny story she won't remember that because I do think she might have thought I was a stagehand but I clearly remember it very ironic that story because Jennifer made her acting debut on NBC's special Dolly Parton's Coat of Many Colors where she played Dolly Parton's mom Four-time Academy of Country Music Award winner, six-time Country Music Association Award winner, and three-time Grammy Award winner, my conversation with Jennifer Nettles from Sugarland. This episode of the Fuzzy Mike, engineered by Andy Hudak, also produced by executive producer Trish Klein and A.J. Ramos. My name is Kevin Klein. I'm your host. We'll see you next time on the Fuzzy Mike. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Fuzzy Mike with Kevin Klein. Check back often and stay fuzzy, friends. Fuzzy Mike is a presentation of the Kevin Klein Fuzzy Mike Industry, Incorporated, LLC.